Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sound of the Loons, presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. And now I get to be joined by the one, the only goalkeeper for Minnesota United, World Cup veteran, Dane St. Clair, back from Qatar, a little extra extended vacation, and now back in Minnesota United colors. How are you, how you feeling, Dane? Well, first of all, I think that's the best intro I've ever gotten ever, so thank you. Um, but feeling good, of course, uh, back into the swing of things in preseason and Preseason here is never easy, so just trying to trying to grind through it. Yeah, grinding is probably the operative word there, and I know it's probably tough to be grateful for the fact that you get to do the grind, grateful for the grind when you're in it. Um, but I'm sure if there's anybody working on the side coming back from an injury, they probably wish they could be out there. And you don't even have to run the beep test for goodness sakes. We do enough diving instead. Instead of doing is we do our version of it pretty much, which is up and down. So it might not be as much running, but. We're definitely getting our goalie fitness in as well. Yeah, I know. I, I do. I, I do agree with that. I don't I would never want to be a goalkeeper. The up and down nature and like falling on your hips. It just it, and having, you know, shots fired at your face and all that. I'll, I'll take a pass on that. So I, I agree with you. You don't need to do the beep test. I'll let you off the hook this time. Um, so let's talk about I want to go back. I want to go back. We're going to we're going to gloss over 2022 because we all know how that ended with the playoff loss to Dallas and you guys have Dallas the first game of the season on February 25th. So that'll be a fun little rematch, but already then your, your mind, your wheels are spinning that season ends Minnesota United ends 2022. And then you've got to gear up for the world cup. How quick was that transition for you? When did you hop on a plane and head out? And then how quickly did you mentally get into that, that world cup mode? And what was that moment like? Yeah. So of course, I mean, Personally, I was trying to play as many games as I could leading up to that World Cup because training on your own is is never the easiest. But I think uh, after that game, took a little time to just kind of decompress and put that kind of season behind me and know that I had to gear up again for the World Cup. Um, so I was actually able to to go to Portland and train uh, with Eric Williamson. We were college roommates, and um, he wasn't he, he was kind of in contention. So he was like, "Come out here, we can train. The weather's probably a little bit nicer than in Minnesota right now." Um, but it was a little nice mental refresh to to get out of Minnesota as well before heading over there. Um, so I went out there for like a week um, and then came back and kind of hopped on a plane and went to went to Bahrain first uh, with a bunch. We had like a like a mini camp with uh, mostly MLS and domestic guys. Um, and then straight from there, it was just basically in the Middle East in Qatar and Dubai and doing all the pregames and, and things like that. So walk me through that feeling. I know you had already been in camps with the Canadian national team, but then once it got to the World Cup and you're getting off the plane there, you're in the hotel, you're part, you know, you see the the city, the country kind of coming alive with mm -hmm. these celebrations and the feeling of the World Cup. What was that like for you personally? What was that moment like as far as you think about the little boy you were when you first started mm -hmm. playing and now you here you are at a World Cup in Qatar? Honestly, I'll bring it back like a week before because uh, when we were on the plane to Bahrain was during that uh, during the MLS Cup final. And of course, Max was supposed to be flying out the next day to come see us. And then our connection in the air wasn't the best. So we weren't able to watch the game. But all of a sudden, a lot of people, a lot of friends and family and start messaging my phone. What happened? What happened to Max? What happened to Max? And we're in the air. So we have no clue. And then finally, like one of our phones was able to work enough with Wi-Fi that 
we found out and of course like our my heart just sunk for him because our our GK union there was, was so strong and um just just cared for him because I know like as much as it, it was it was our dream it was it was definitely his dream as well and I hope that uh he's able to recover well and and be there in 2026 because I know how much uh that world cup cup meant for him so I think but uh at the same time I knew that I had to kind of step up because he's a he's a bigger big figure for the team um even though he he was going to be the backup goalie he still has a great great presence and and leadership around the team so I knew that um me stepping up and moving up a spot was going to have to kind of take in that so it was kind of decompressing and, and feeling that that sadness for him as well and then noticing that I had to, to kind of take another step up to be able to support the team uh, the best that I could so then you get there, you do some of these uh, extra games, this little mini camp that you had in, in Bahrain. You get through the World Cup. Maybe it didn't end the way that Canada clearly had hoped it would. Now you've got 2026 to focus on. But then also when the World Cup ended, I know Adrian, when we had him on a podcast, uh, one of the first ones of the year, he said, you know, gave you a little bit of extra break, which makes sense, obviously, for the amount of time that you didn't have off mm -hmm. um, with the World Cup in there. What did you do then during that time to decompress? Did you just go home and do nothing and have like normal life? Or did you, what did you do to decompress <laughs> to then kind of reset yourself for MLS 2023? So I went, I went home for a little bit. And then um, also we, I went on vacation to Jamaica, funny enough with Eric and his girlfriend again, along with my girlfriend. So we had like a, like a week and a half down, down in Jamaica, just kind of enjoying the weather um, and kind of decompressing kind of, away from everything and I feel like it was something that personally I definitely needed because obviously not only was 2020 long but knowing the schedule this upcoming year with a lot of international games and and domestic games with League Cup coming in play and the Gold Cup and Nations League there, there's going to be a lot of games to play again this year as well so I thought that as much as it was important for me to decompress from 2022 I had to kind of prepare myself for 2023 and how long it was going to be again and kind of just allow myself to kind of disconnect for a little bit did it did you feel like when you did get to minnesota that it was the right time did you feel like you were ready to come back did you have enough decompression time and then also like ready to physically and mentally get back in it and get back with this group of guys yeah i think you're always kind of battling that time when you you know the team's kind of kind of there and, and doing things and i was at home uh training with my trainer but i think kind of you're, you're you're seeing the guys back in team and you you kind of want to be there and as much as I knew I needed that week I, like part of me was like I ended up coming back a, a couple of days early because I was like I just want to be around be around the team and of course we had some new guys as well so kind of just kind of show them around of course me and Daniil have a good relationship from the national team so kind of just showing him what Minnesota is and kind of preparing because I know that this is this could be a big year for a lot of us. Yeah, I know you made the comment the other day on Twitter about getting off the plane back in Minnesota after Orlando. And he was telling me the other day about when we did a podcast that people were telling him like, oh, my gosh, it's so cold in Minnesota. And he's like, I'm Canadian. And they're like, no, this is different. What what kind of advice did you give him to tell him to make sure he packed his parka or what? I mean, just because we're Canadian doesn't mean we like it. We're just used to That's, it. Hey, I'm, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm get used it. to it. I can I can deal with the cold, but. I don't think any of us like it. And we all have like all of our parents and stuff are are Caribbean are from the Caribbean. So our ongoing joke is we all have Caribbean blood. So we're not used to this. Um, but I think uh nothing really prepares you for it. But it's just something like growing up, we grew up in Toronto, we grew up with the snow, like 
it's not that dissimilar. Like, you know what I mean? You, you stay inside when it's cold and you go about your business. So I think uh, it's more so different for the guys that have never seen snow or are used to the cold. Like we're used to it. So you, everyone's like, yeah, it's so cold. And I was like, I'm not leaving my house anyways. It's like, I'm not going to go for a walk right now. Like it's freezing out. I remember when I saw one day last year when Bongi first got here and he was walking from the NSC building outside that little stretch before you get into the the dome. And he just had, had this look on his face like, what am I doing? You know, it was one of those like. No, that 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 walk is definitely becomes a wind tunnel. And I think they need to find a way to cover it up so that we're just inside the whole time. Because, of course, you're going out to training, so you're not going to have a jacket on or anything like that. But it. When that wind gets in there, it can de- it can definitely get cold for sure. So yeah. I'll, I'll give him a pass on that one, but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I I totally get it, and I, I always kind of I always kind of laugh the first time I see like any of the guys from South America or obviously from you know South Africa or whatever, even Boxel for to be honest, you know, being from New Zealand where he comes like straight off the beach, um, mm-hmm. you know, when it's summertime there, when he comes back to preseason, but at least he's used to it now. But I always kind of laugh the first time I see all of them show up in Minnesota, like what is going on here? But you're right. You just kind of, you go about your business and that's the nature of the beast, especially for your industry and your career path. You never know where you're going to be. It could be, you know, a hundred degrees in Houston next week. It could be 20 below for opening day here. What is it? March 11th for you guys. So you just have to kind of roll with the punches, but I'm, I'm with you just because we're from a cold weather place doesn't mean we have to like it. No, exactly. And of course, you kind of you like I said, you get used to it, but it's definitely not something that you look forward to. I'm sure a lot of people in Minnesota are definitely looking forward to to the summer and the walks and the rooftops and everything like that. So, yeah, exactly. So let's talk about 2023. What what was the feeling when you got into camp? How did how did that feel for you? I know there's a couple new, you know, at least one new goalkeeper on the squad um, that's training every day and, and Stewie Kerr is back in there training you guys. But from a whole roster standpoint, what was it like to get back in with the guys to see some of the new faces, some familiar, some not, and then also the returning guys and how do, how are you feeling about 2023? I think everyone's always excited to start the season because everyone starts with a fresh slate. Um, and of course, kind of the the way that, that last year kind of ended, I think kind of left a sour taste in, in a lot of our mills. And like I said, there's there's new competitions this year. Um, so that, that, that allows us another chance to, to go and win something, you know what I mean? And I think, um, every team going into the season is they want to win something. Um, that, that's why we play, you know what I mean? We're all, we're all competitive competitors at heart. And I think, um, just kind of getting together and figuring out how are we going to go about this and how are we going to kind of get over that hump that we haven't been able to get over as a club. Anything really surprising to you thus far in preseason, any, specific individual anybody that you're impressed with maybe someone that's new or someone that's you know was maybe that you didn't see as much last year that you you know back in the mix I know a lot of people or a couple people have talked about Cameron Dunbar and just being still a young kind of hungry player coming over from the galaxy mm-hmm. but anybody else anything anything else surprising to you yeah I think uh I think Cam's done d- done well when he's come in and I think uh me personally of course me and Hassani kind of came in together so seeing him get closer and closer to getting back on the field with us I think is has been inspiring because of course he's had a lot of success here in, in many different positions and I know he's going to continue to, and we, we definitely missed him a lot last year. So I'm kind of looking forward to him kind of getting fully back in the mix and he's been progressing well. So I think uh, he's he, the, the end is near for him. And I think even just personally, I think that's going to be a big uh, day when he's able to kind of come back and train with the team and 
be fully involved. And I know it's something that he's worked hard in the offseason staying here to to make sure that he's ready for the first uh, few games of the year. Are you guys at the point yet where you're ready to be done playing against each other? I know you've had a couple of preseason games and I know you guys are heading to Coachella, which is going to be a massive tournament with a lot of really good competition um, for you guys for preseason. But are you guys at the moment yet where you're like, oh, my gosh, can we just start the season already? Because I know that grind starts to happen. Or are you guys are you still in a spot where you're like, OK, we could use a couple more weeks here before we get going with games that count? Yeah, I think um, this preseason tournament is going to be nice. I think always having this the second part of preseason kind of being a tournament where you can still kind of test some things out, but you know that there's a competition at hand as well, I think is is going to be nice. And I think, uh, of course, getting back on the grass is is always ideal with with us. Um, we always want to be playing on the grass uh, when possible. So I think being able to kind of compete for that in the beginning of the preseason, and I think it allows some guys to, to continue to fight for spots and to have that uh, – flexibility in our roster to be able to compete on on opening weekend against Dallas which we know is a a big game especially with the way that this season ended last year and the the first game of the season is always going to be a big one what what's your goal do you do you sit down and write goals and maybe you don't but just mentally like what what do you want to accomplish this season I mean you were MLS all-star and MVP MLS all-star MVP last year so it's going to be tough to ratchet up a notch from an individual perspective, but what are some of your goals for this season for 2023? Yeah, I think, uh, of course, I kind of had a good, well, start for my start of the season was was definitely good. And kind of being in that all-star mix, of course, is, is something that I want to continue to be a part of. But I think uh, I want to improve on, on my consistency. I know there were some games that I was very good last year, and there were some games that I know that I could have improved. And I think um, when I look at the full body of work, I want to be able to not just have that conversation about potential all-star, but I want to have that conversation about potential goal of the year and being that mix for that. Because I think a lot of people talk to me about me midway and halfway through the season, and then things kind of faded out um, towards the end. So I want to make sure that I'm consistently playing at that level. And I know that I've had those big performances and I know that I'm capable of it, but I also want to continue to have that consistency and kind of take it up a notch as well. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dane, for joining me. I know you're going to you're going to stick around for one more segment here. We're going to have a special guest, Justin Morrow, former MLS player, most recently with Toronto FC, but um, part of Black Players for Change. And we're going to talk a lot about that. And of course, Black History Month as well. But Dane, thank you for joining me for segment number uh, segment number one. And I'll see you in segment number two. Sounds good. See you in a little bit. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With records, test results, and care team, you are always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Welcome back to Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Again, I'm Kennedy St. Aubin, and this time I get to be joined by Dane St. Clair once again, who's back for segment number two, but also Justin Morrow, retired MLS player. But 
very important piece of the black players for change. And I know we've talked about it a bit and, and Dane, you and I hit on it in the first segment, but also February black history month. So an important time to really emphasize and focus on the positive things and what you guys are doing in black players for change, but let's give everybody a little bit of history. What is black players for change and how did it come about back on June 19th of 2020? Justin, you want to kick it off for us? Yeah, I'll kick it off and I'll start by saying thanks for having me. I love joining these conversations, number one, to shed some light on on BPC, but also talk about Black excellence, the wonderful history that we contribute to this culture here, uh, not only in the United States, but worldwide. So thanks again. Black Players for Change, you know, starting in the summer of 2020, it was it was an uncertain time for, for all of us, for sure, living through the pandemic, uh, being stressed with not knowing what's going to happen next with jobs, with health and everything else going on. And then George Floyd is murdered and, you know, the country goes into hysteria and everybody rightly so at that time was trying to figure out what we could do within ourselves to, to help promote change and do our part. And the black players in major league soccer were, were no different, you know, and a lot of us uh, besides what, People think from the outside, a lot of us are friends. A lot of us grew up playing together in the same city, same clubs, um, you know, getting traded from different clubs, what what it may be. Uh, we're in contact with each other a lot. And so, you know, messages were flying all around the league and, and guys were just chatting a lot about what we could do. And so we came together uh, first through Zoom and, and just trying to figure out what we could do and thought about creating a moment, which ultimately became our, our protest moment down in Orlando at the MLS's back tournament and, but decided also that we wanted to create something that was going to go beyond that, something that uh, would allow future generations of black players in the league to, to have a seat at the table always. And so that's kind of the Genesis of black players for change. And it came about in that moment. We, we never shy from that, but we also talk about the things that were happening within major league soccer ahead of that, that, that kind of led up to that, this necessary moment, if you will. So um incredible incredible journey so far been been a couple of years now and we're still hard at work but really proud of everything that we've done when you talk about that that there was a lot of you that grew up together played on club together were traded different mls clubs and we're not even just talking about youth clubs but also mls clubs so it maybe started as a group chat right every somebody starts it there's 5 10 15 of you on it and, and it builds so at what moment, Dane, did you decide that this is something maybe you wanted to be a part of? And also then how did, who took the next step? Because actually organizing something like this mm -hmm. and organizing, that is a, that's a big deal. That's like, that's next level for you guys to make sure that this came to fruition. So Dane, how did you decide to get involved? And then also how did this go to that next step, next level to be involved and make mm -hmm. the commitment? Yeah, I think um, kind of like we said, it all kind of sparked after that George Floyd. So, of course, that happened in our backyard here in Minnesota. So I feel like a lot of the players on our team were talking about it. And I was actually on loan at the time to San Antonio during that pandemic time. So I was kind of just in group chats and stuff like that about like it was uncertainty if I was going to come back because no one was sure if the USL was going to play or not. So it was kind of just in group chats, what can we do to kind of help our community? And the, some of the guys on the team went to the different protests in Minnesota, and I wish that I could have been there as well. But um, I was in San Antonio at the time. And then um, through kind of Ike, kind of connected with uh, Justin Moron, kind of got our players. He kind of made a group chat with all our players at Minnesota and was like, 
this is kind of what's going on. We're not sure where this is going yet, but we kind of want to have an impact. And we know that what happened in our community has kind of sparked this whole thing. So we want to have a big say in, in what's going on. And of course, um, some guys took it on more than others. And uh, being the type of people that we are, we kind of wanted to step up. And although I wasn't able, able to be there um, physically for the demonstration, kind of leading up to some of the things and helping out and giving different ideas I thought was uh, important from from my side and to kind of continue things on to help our community. So Justin, then how did that go to the next level from the initiation of this idea, these group chats to someone actually taking the reins and sort of guiding this into what it is now? I mean, you guys have a mission statement, you have everything that you want to accomplish, things that you have already accomplished. You've had partners that are helping you accomplishing these things, businesses and otherwise. So how did it get to that next level to to take that next step? I mean, quite honestly, just through a, a lot of hard work and, and grit and determination. You know, there was a, a core group of veterans that really started this thing. And I always call us the, the pioneers. Um, and really with the idea that we'd create this legacy and, and bring along as many people as possible. And so you go from all of us being at home in our own markets, maybe experiencing the pandemic in slightly different ways to all of a sudden all being together in Orlando for the MLS's back tournament, which had never happened before. So we knew we were going to have this incredible opportunity to get everyone together and create a moment. We were going to be one of the first leagues back to play. Everyone was going to be watching us on national television worldwide. And we really put a lot of effort and, and energy into that. I remember the night before getting together and, and practicing what we were going to do. And it still wasn't all together at that moment, but you could just feel us, you know, being in a brothership a brotherhood together and really committed to it. And um, we put on the incredible moment. And after that, no one wanted, no one wanted to let it go. You know, there's the moment when we walk off the field in Orlando and everyone's hugging each other and, and giving high fives. And that's a moment that sticks with us forever, but we, we didn't want to let that feeling go, that feeling that we stood up for something that we continued on a legacy that was started long before us and that we're creating something for the future generation. And so that's kind of what we've hung on to and continued our work to this day. I know on the site, it says 170 plus black players, coaches, and staff in MLS, but do you feel like it's much broader than that? Or, or how do you define maybe membership? You know, how, how do people, how do players, how do coaches, training staff, whatever it might be, um, how are they involved, even if they're not necessarily considered members or how do you quantify, qualify that? Well, as you can imagine, professional sports is very fluid. <laughs> so there's always guys in and out. But I think the most important thing that we always talking about is creating a space for people to join and, and feel included, especially new players as they're coming into the league to know that there's somewhere for them to go for mentorship, for guidance, maybe something that didn't exist in the past. You know, coming from the amateur level to the professional level is a, a major transition. And you throw race on top of that and it doesn't get easier. And so we're here for them. And we always just, everything we do, calls, in-person meetings, we always start off by just sharing the space together and catching up with each other and making jokes and just feeling calm and comfortable with each other. And, and I think that's one of the best things that we've done. We can talk about all the, all the policy work and programs and activations we've done, but that is the best thing that we've done so that there will always be a space for us moving forward. Well, and you can check off a lot of boxes of things when you talk about protest policy, 
you know, demonstrations, community activities that you guys have done. But when I'm looking at your site, one of the couple of the quotes and things that kind of mission statements that stuck out to me were creating an equitable stake in the game of soccer and society and working to bridge the racial equality gap that exists in society. So it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's an organized activity. It can just be on a, on a daily basis that you can have a hand in that. And Dane, do you feel that a little bit in the community in Minnesota and what you've been able to accomplish, even if it's just being in the community, out in the community, community activities that you feel like you can continue that same message and kind of drive that home? Yeah, for sure. I think another uh, big thing, of course, our club does a lot of stuff in the community, but I think also with the addition of BPC now with the, like, there's a contact point for, for some of these, uh, different community outreach places or or things to contact to let players know because I mean, even during uh the all-star of course we did the hometown heroes and there were some of those those uh foundations and stuff that I I knew nothing about and I've I've been here for for four years now. So I think um just uh the awareness and and to be able to expand more. Of course uh there's always so much going on behind the scenes and things like that. But I think uh even for us just showing up to a, an event for 30 minutes or things like that like Talking to some of the people at All Star, I'm still uh, still messaging um, some of them um, now. Just to hey, when you have an event, let me know because for us sometimes it's hard to to know when these events and things are. So I'm not I'm not guaranteeing that I can make it, but if I can fit in in our schedule or someone on our team can know about it, um, I think it's it's nice to to show the community as well that there's representation um, to those kids as well that we're here and that. You can, you can become this and seeing seeing it live, I think it's different sometimes seeing it on TV. It's like, can I really become that? But I think then when you see the people in person and them talking to you and things like that, I think is is definitely one of our, has been one of our goals to, to kind of be in the community and be there in person for the people. Well, and Justin, you talked about what Black Players for Change is and what it means and how it came about. But this was something that, you know, was in the works long before, before your time before any of us were here, as far as what needed to happen. And maybe the George Floyd murder was something that sort of spurned everybody to kind of get on the same page and, and make a change. What has been the biggest impact you think thus far that Black Players for Change has been able to do, whether it's on a bigger scale, a smaller scale? What's one of the bigger things that you've you've seen? Well, I always, I always give props to Major League Soccer uh, because from the beginning, they recognize how special black players for change is and they've been in constant communication and have a great working relationship with us. And so now we've created this lane, this Avenue um, for major league soccer as a league to consult their players on the things that are maybe going good or maybe could do a little bit better. And they've admitted to, to shortcomings in the past. So now when we deal with, incidents of of race or any discrimination for that matter they bring us into the conversation and we have formal ways to do that whether that's through some of the committees that we've organized or we have informal ways through the relationships that we've built with the commissioner and his close executives so it's just been incredible to continue this work and like i said build for the next generation um it's something that we're all still committed to this day and in that way, we are able to push the league forward now because we all recognized it in 2020 that these things have happened in the past and no change has really been made. But the fact that we're still here today and, and pushing and knocking on the door 
that holds them accountable in some type of way. So, you know, when we talk about what we, what have we gained, what we, have we progressed in, in what ways for me, it's, it's exactly that it's continuing to keep a pulse on it, continuing to make sure that things are happening in the background um, from a systemic level the policies that we can change, but also just the acknowledgement that racism exists in our league. And we are trying to do something about it because I've, I've been in, we've been in conversations with our global allies and it's not so easy for other cultures to recognize how racism plays out in their different systems, whether it be at their league, their health system, their education system, whatnot. And at least over here, we are having the conversation and continuing to work away at it day after day and month after month and year after year. And for me, that's that's what progress is. You know, that's a really good point, because we're talking about you guys reaching out to the community, being a part of the community, trying to make a, a change in society. But even when Black Players for Change came about, what were some of the conversations you maybe had with your own team, with your own teammates, with your own, you know, conversations about race and and the feelings were, was that an open conversation? Was that part of the education? And you don't have to, you know, speak about specific situations and instances, but I mean, it can start in your own home, your own backyard, your own club Mm -hmm. before you're even having to reach out into the community. Yeah, I'll touch on that quick and then Dane, you can you can jump in. Um, I just want to touch on it because I have an incredible view into to so many of the conversations that were being had across the locker rooms in North America. And, and like you mentioned, that's really a, a great genesis for conversation and it can come about in a lot of different ways. I remember the national anthem and having players kneel or not, that was a great conversation starter. Um, different tops and gear that we've coordinated to wear. That's another great conversation starter. And then, of course, when the clubs join in and from from a, a team side, you start having trainings, um, culture trainings, EDI trainings to learn about history. Um, that's another opportunity to have a conversation. And these were things that weren't happening in the past. So I know media is very controversial right now, special social media, and we put things in buckets in either a good bucket or a bad bucket. Um, But we've taken everything as an opportunity to have the conversation, conversations that we weren't having before. And even if someone expressed a negative sentiment towards what we were doing and continue to do, we allow that as a doorway into having conversation with someone who we might've had in the past and maybe don't expect to, to meet in the middle every single time, but to gain an understanding of each other, I think is an important start towards reconciliation. Well, and Dane, you came into the league at a different time than Justin came into the league. So there's probably had been some changes, some differences, even from when Justin and not Justin, I'm not trying to date you here. I'm well, (laughs) much older than you are, but Dane's kind of still on the young side of things. I covered him at the draft, but what have you seen, Dane, in the league just since 2020? What kind of changes have you seen? And what else would you like to see, not just in the league, but, you know, in community and society? It doesn't have to be some crazy, you know, stand up on a stage type of a mm-hmm. thing. But what have you seen? Yeah, I mean, I think um, in Minnesota, we've always had a, a decent amount of uh, Black players here. So being able to to kind of connect and I think whenever you go to a new team, you kind of gravitate gravitate towards the people that you relate to the most. And then even now, I think um, getting players from other teams or things like that, whenever there's a trade happening, it's like, okay, like 
maybe I've met this guy on BPC or we've had some of the kind of the same initiatives. We've been on some some kind of calls and things like that. So it's kind of uh, for new players, broaden the group of, of people that you've met. And of course, uh, chemistry is so important in our in our sport. So anytime you can kind of relate or, or meet anyone like that, I think is has been important. And then I was one of the guys that have been here the longest now. I think it's just kind of showing uh, showing guys that, hey, that this BBC, um, it's available for you guys, not necessarily if it's not something that you want to be a part of every day, no problem. But this is this is an outlet um, for anyone that that needs it or, or or wants it on our team. And I think, like Justin said, it's about having the conversations. And I think some of them are going to be formal, some of them are informal, some of them everyone's agreeing, some people have disagreements. But it's at least uh, getting a better understanding of why people feel the way they do. And I think um, it allows us to talk about the, the the reason why we feel feel that way. And Justin, I wanted to just ask you quick about one of the initiatives that I also saw on on the website was talking about these mini pitches that you guys have been already doing, but committing to 10 more by the end of 2023. What does something like that do to the community, for the community? What what do you see in those moments um, with the mini pitches in the different communities? And why is that such an important initiative amongst all the other things you guys are doing? Yeah, we always talk about Black Players for Change and we talk about it in the ways that we work inside the league and outside of the league. And the mini pitch initiative is one of the things that we do in our communities outside of the league to eliminate barriers. We know this sport is is hard to access on many different levels. The cost of field time is way up through the roof and we know where that money is going. And so that excludes a lot of people and and that's exactly what this mini pitch initiative is all about you know we thank our partners at u.s soccer foundation musco lighting adidas that have been so great for us to help us build these mini pitches all over the place and really it's just a, a place a safe place to play uh, where the community can unite around and and know that the kids can have that opportunity to just try try something out, and, you know. In, in youth sports these days, everything is so so organized. Everything is scheduled. Everything is teams, leagues, events type of thing, and kids don't just go outside and play anymore. And we wanted to kind of hold that sacrimonious and sacrosanct in, in some type of way. And so that's what this is all about: to take it back to the old days and make sure that there's always a space there for kids to play, and hopefully get new new types of kids involved in the sport because I think we've seen over decades now that it's excluded a lot. And just last but not least, as we talk about Black History Month and, and Black Players for Change, if there was one message that each of you wanted to leave going forward, what would that be? What would the message be? What are sort of the hopes and the goals of not just your organization, but also just during Black History Month that people could take away from this part of of the podcast in this discussion. Yeah, I think um for me personally it's kind of like when we had our first protest. We don't want it to just be this one month thing that where we highlight things and then that's it and then next year we do it again. I think it's about having continuous conversations and and support and of course it's nice to highlight those things, but I think beyond this month uh, what can we continue to do to to help our communities? Yeah, Dane hit it right on the head. He said it perfectly. You know, celebration of black people last year all year long it's it's not just a month um for me the history part is really important as well i know it's something that's under attack right now in our country 
And so to ground ourselves in that and really give an effort to, to learn about something you don't know about Black history, that goes a long way as well. So for me, continuing to celebrate our heritage and our culture is, is always important. Well, I appreciate both of you for joining me today to talk about Black Players for Change, but more importantly, Black History Month. And I know that you're joining me today for this podcast, but to echo your sentiment, hopefully this is a conversation that's not just going on in February. It can be going on year round, not just something that we're celebrating and talking about in the month of February, but something that we can talk about and have celebrations for 12 months out of the year. So thank you both so much for joining me today for this discussion. Thanks for having us. All right. Thank you. All right, everybody, we're going to sign off for now, but join us next week for another episode of Sound of the Loons right here, presented by Alina Health Orthopedics.